is the Parenting for Faith podcast from BRF Ministries. Parenting for Faith exists to help you help the children and teens in your life to meet and know God. We do this through online events, courses and resources, and you can find out more at parentingforfaith.org. Hello and welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin, I'm your host, and this is episode 10 of season 7. Now, throughout this season, we've been looking at all sorts of different questions, conversations, situations, scenarios that you might encounter on your parenting journey. Uh, Some of them are things that you might see coming and be ready for. Some of them might be surprises. Um, Today is a topic that you might not want to have little ears listening around. I'll say what it is in just a moment. Uh, But if you are listening with children uh, with you, you might want to pause this and listen a little bit later. Um, But before I talk about that, tonight is our pop-up small group. Uh, So it's on Facebook at eight o'clock and we're going to be discussing talking to our kids about tough times. Now, this is one for everyone, whether you're in a tough season right now or a friend is or a family member. um, If not, we're all going to at some point, uh, whether that's to do with health or bereavement or financial struggles or all sorts of things. We all have times where things are really hard. And we've got the wonderful founder of Parenting for Faith, Rachel Turner, joining us and um, just really equipping us in how to talk to our kids about that. So uh, do watch on your own if you're at home anyway or text a friend, see if you can get someone to come over. We know lots of you watch in groups at your churches or several of you get together at someone's house. If you haven't arranged that for tonight, don't worry. As I say, you can either watch it on your own or pick a night and catch up at some other time. But we hope that's really useful. So we're going to go over to our conversation today. Um, I spoke to the founder of the Naked Truth Project, Ian Henderson, on how to talk to our kids about porn. I'm joined today by Ian Henderson. Ian is the founder and CEO of Visible Ministries, which includes their flagship initiative, the Naked Truth Project. He lives in Manchester and he and his wife have two teenage daughters. They moved there in 2001 to work for the Message Trust, moving to live and work in the most deprived ward in the UK. Um, He later became the exec director of Mission for the Message until 2013 when he left to start the Naked Truth Project. We are so glad that you're with us here uh, today, Ian. I was saying just as you joined the call, we have been really keen for a long time to get someone on to talk about pornography and all the issues that surround it. We know it is a huge, huge topic, really big issue in our culture. And funnily enough, not many people wanted to chat to us about it, Uh, but you Mm -hmm. were willing and you have so much knowledge and uh, experience in this area. So thank you so much for being with us. So tell us what we're up against, Ian. Start out. What are what is the situation with pornography in the, in this country at the moment? What are the dangers, and what should we be thinking about? Yes. Well. Uh, yeah. Really good to be part of the podcast. And um, yeah, interesting that you're sort of saying how uh, I've got all this this expertise. Obviously, it wasn't something I sat down with. My- my careers advisor when I was at school and said, I, I think when I'm about 40, I might start a porn project. Um, uh, but it was because of this question. Um, I it just became aware of just how much the landscape was changing, how impactful 
uh, porn was in the lives of so many different types of people, both the young people that I was working with at the time, uh, but but also just across the spectrum. So yeah, let me let me try and lay out that that uh, landscape a little bit for listeners. And I so I'm I'm fifty, um, and um, it's fair to say that when I was a teenager. Uh, pornography was was a very different thing and depending on the age of of the people listening even me saying the word pornography will have kind of different sort of things that they will consider some might think of magazines on the top shelf of a news agents which was kind of like what my thoughts would have gone to as as a teenager or a young person growing up um maybe other people think about the internet but but it's it's changed a lot in what seems like actually quite a small amount of time um and i think Obviously, pornography has been around for a very long time. You can dig up kind of Greek pots with, you know, naked pictures on, for example, uh, that are thousands of years old. But I think it's uh, it's it's an old enemy using new weapons. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that particularly with the rise of broadband and then smartphone technology uh, has completely completely shift so we kind of talk about the 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 move from the the sex shop to the smartphone and whereas in the past perhaps you know uh if you thought of a porn user maybe you would think of a a, a man in a, in a in a dirty mac kind of walking out of a kind of adult store in the back alleys of some city somewhere now it's anyone including our children who own a product made by mac you know that's that's the thing that has changed and so one of the things that um sociologists talk about is the kind of the four a's uh where porn is now more accessible than it's ever been more anonymous than it's ever been more addictive and more affordable than it's ever been and 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 that's because this is the first generation really with any time anywhere access to this un and kind of regulated at the moment uh, content. Just to give you a little bit of a, a sense of that. So uh, in 2021, just one porn site, only one, uh, received 54 billion hits in one year. Uh, I mean, it's just a huge number that's really difficult for us to get our heads round. Um, but that's like 115 million a day. Um, and when you think that, you know, some of the big TV events of the last kind of like few years, things like, you know, World Cup finals or, you know, the, the coronation, they were they were getting kind of 50, 60 million views. Uh, you know, you suddenly realize 115 million views a day is a huge number just for one website. And that's website it was one of these kind of free websites uh, where a bit like YouTube, it's user generated. People can just go on and if they watch an advert, then they can they can see the content. And so I mentioned that because whereas in the past, when I was a teenager, there was a there was a shopkeeper who would be checking my age and sort of saying, I don't think you're going to be able to have that magazine, Sonny. Uh, or there was, you know, a, a very real kind of pay barrier of I. I don't have uh, a way of paying for this. You know, I can't buy this this video or whatever. Um, and so that's gone. You know, by 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 the move to to being online, uh, what that's meant is that young people a don't have to prove their age. Uh, there's a box that you tick saying that you are over 18. It's even easier than kind of setting up a, a Snapchat account. Uh, 
but also uh there there isn't this this thing of oh yeah you've got to pay for it it's free and so you just have to watch adverts and so what has maybe been something that was for a few uh has become something that has been very normalized and and dare i say even accepted in in our culture today so last well actually this year jan of 2023 the children's commissioner for england published a report around porn use amongst children and young people uh and the report and you can read it online if you're interested but they uh basically gathered research from focus groups of teenagers aged 13 to 19 uh and then they also did a survey of a thousand young people age 16 to 21 and um of the 64% who said they'd seen online porn um the average age uh of when a child first saw pornography was 13 uh by age of 9 10% had seen pornography uh that then went up to 27% by the age of 11 and then half of those people who'd seen porn had seen it by the age of 13 and so one of the things that we as as parents and I count myself in that bracket too as you said we've got two teenage daughters so we've journeyed this whole whole thing with our girls you know one of the things we've got to accept is this isn't something that is you know um just for adults obviously it is something that is as I say more accessible more anonymous uh, more addictive, more affordable than it's ever been before. But also one of the other things that's changed, not just that accessibility uh, and, and affordability and those things, is the nature of porn has changed massively as well. So again, if I was a teenager looking at magazines, um, it was really just kind of like naked pictures. Um, whereas if you put porn in Google, the first search results that would come up would be normally aggressive, violent, what we would probably call hardcore content. Uh, in fact, one MP put it like this. She said, what is illegal to buy from a, from an adult store because of regulations in the law around kind of um, retail is served up for free every day on a computer. And so uh, what we are seeing more, and even in that children commissioner's report, one of the things she mentioned, she used to be a school leader before she became a children's commissioner. And she said this, she she's witnessed the harmful impact of porn on young people. She said she, she never gets uh, a girl who talked to her about her first kiss uh, when she was age 12. And she said that when that happened, the boy she was kissing strangled her. And he said he did that because he just saw it in porn and thought that was normal. And we hear stories like that all the time through our work in schools. As part of our work is that we talk about the harmful impact of porn in schools. And, and we hear these stories because it isn't just naked pictures anymore. It is this violent, aggressive, often abusive to women. Um, something like 96% of the 100 most viewed porn videos show some sort of aggression towards women, whether that's verbal or physical. And so that is impacting what young people who perhaps aren't in, actually engaging in, in relationships yet, um, but it's already starting to shape and form what they think is is normal. And so... That's that's the landscape. And it, it's a depressing one to kind of paint for people. And and, men, and many of those listening will sort of be thinking, yeah, that that resonates. I've heard that I've you know, we've heard of things that have been happening uh, in schools. or We've heard stories or maybe that we've we know this is true because we've already experienced it in our household. But but I think one of the things that we as parents have to understand is 
it's not as it used to be. And so all the things that we experienced are not the same. All the things our parents had to do uh, won't work now. Uh, so we ca- it's one of those things where we can't ask, you know, our mum, how did you how did you do it with me? Because it's just there isn't there isn't the lived experience uh, for for our parents because this is a this is new ground, this is a new landscape, and so we've got to find new ways of navigating that with our children. And I think that's why, Ian, so many of us feel out of our depth, don't we? I mean, those those facts and figures and those things you're sharing are so sobering and so extreme. You know, this is mm. huge, as you say. Lots of us know it's huge, but hearing those numbers it really is a lot and so I think often as parents and carers we think okay we know we need to address this we need to talk to our children about it but it's really difficult and really awkward Mm. isn't it so can you give us any kind of practical tips and advice you know where and when should we start talking to our children about these kind of things and how and particularly any good resources for kind of younger children that sort of thing you were talking there about you know 10 percent having seen porn at the age of nine so this is not wait for a one-off conversation at 16 this is something we need to be starting early is that is that right yeah absolutely and yeah I, i do of course um have some thoughts around that um the i think one of the things i would say is it it can be tempting as parents to to kind of feel like oh my goodness this is bad the internet's obviously the reason why this is so bad you know show me the switch in silicon valley where i can just turn it all off and and we can kind of go back to to just kind of having paper and pens and, and and everything's good i mean one thing that's really important i think just to stress here is that actually um you know, things like phones, things like tablets, things like the internet, you know, these are actually great things. I can't imagine, you know, getting around without Google Maps now or kind of settling a discussion with my wife to find out that she was right after all when we Googled it uh, or whatever that is. Um, so there's obviously lots of positives about this this technological advance that we've seen over these this last decade or so. And I guess it's really important as as parents that that we don't think that the answer is let's just wrap them up in cotton wool and keep them away from anything that's tech and keep them. Um, actually, one of the the analogies that I would use is I think the internet is like uh, like a city. And so we brought our girls up in a great city, Manchester. Uh, born and bred in Manchester. Um, and so uh, Manchester is a great place. Uh, it's got loads of entertainment and education and culture and community, but also it's got some dodgy places and dangerous people, you know, that like every other city. And part of us raising our children in a city is that we've had to kind of teach them to to figure out those those things, to be able to experience what's good and critique and avoid what, what's dangerous. And, and I actually think the internet is a similar thing. And so even from a very young age, I think us thinking as parents about the internet in that way can be helpful. So for example, there's no way when my kids were you know, six, seven years old or even younger, I would jump in the car, drive to the centre of Manchester, open the back door and say, I've just got a little bit of housework to do. Why don't you just jump out now and just kind of wander around, you know, to see who you meet? Uh, Yeah, I I would (laughs) never dream of doing that. But of course, as parents, we can do that with the internet. You know, we can just sort of say, oh, I'm busy. Just sit on this phone or this tablet that hasn't got any kind of parental controls on. And, you know, 
so part of it's our, our changing our thinking, recognizing that the internet's good, but also it's got dangerous places and dodgy people and that we need to therefore use the skills we would use as a parent in a different context and apply them to the internet too. So yeah, it does mean we might have to educate ourselves. It does mean we might have to put in some, some filters and things when they're younger. You know, I, I would hold my girl's hand when we crossed the road in the city for a long time. Can't do that anymore. Um, but you know, when they were little, I could. And I think that's true with the internet as well. When they're younger, there are more controls, more hold hand holding, if you like, that we can do. There are things that we can say, no, you can't do that yet. As they get older, that changes. It becomes more about conversation than controls. But I think one of the first things we can do as parents, particularly when they're younger, is to acknowledge that the internet is a great thing that we want our, our children to experience. They're going to experience. They're digital natives. It's part of who they are, actually. But we also can exercise some conditions and some controls. So, for example, when we our girls turned 11 um, and we had the big can we have a phone conversation that we'd had for a couple of years because some of their friends had got phones earlier. We we opted for 11, not that that's you know, the right age or anything, but that's what we opted for as they went to secondary school. Um, but they had a phone, but they didn't have a browser on their phone and this straight away, for example. Uh, or we had some some kind of uh, rules around uh, the parental controls, which meant that they had to ask permission to download an app rather than it just, you know, they couldn't just download every app they wanted. And so we can say yes to some things and it be conditional and have some kind of like, you know, boundaries around it, which I just think is, good to think about at this stage. Um, the other thing I think when they're younger is to talk about um, the fact that if they did have exposure to something like pornography at the age of nine, chances are it's not because they went looking for it. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, it, Chances are it's accidental exposure or maybe someone at school even kind of showed them something on a phone, but it's unlikely it's curiosity. And they've, I mean, it, it might be, they might've heard a word and looked it up and then suddenly they've been hit with a load of images or they thought it'd be funny to write bum into Google or something. And then what they got was actually really horrible. Uh, we've heard those stories too. But one of the things that maybe people have heard of before, but I think just in case they haven't, can be really helpful with young children is to teach them the three t's so the three t's are you sit down with your children and you want them to experience the internet you want them to be able to explore but you say listen uh if you ever saw something uh that was upsetting in any way when you saw it it just upset you I want you to remember these three t's the first t is turn it off so turn off the phone turn off the tablet turn off the computer Second T is turn away. So leave the room, go somewhere else, uh, because initially you might be like, Ugh, and then you're going to be like, oh. Uh, and so sometimes it's helpful just to not not be next to that thing that, that caused that. And then the third thing is to tell me, you know, to talk to me as, as mom, as dad. And I want you to know something. You will not be in trouble. This is not something you get in trouble for. Uh, we, I want us to be able to talk about this. I want you to be able to help you make sure that it, you know we can keep you safe. Um, but you will not be in trouble. Don't you don't need to keep this a secret. And so those three T's, I think, are a really good thing to just ingrain in the thinking of our children as well, because hopefully, you know, 
they are going to experience you know the good side of the internet but they might accidentally experience some of the the problems that come with it and so to give them that as as a way of what to do if this happens is is important uh you asked about resource so one i would mention quickly is uh there's a book that i think you can just get on amazon or something which is kind of aimed at kind of probably tweens um called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Uh, and that's kind of like something you can sit and kind of go through with a kind of 9, 10, 11 year old uh, and and talk that through. And, and so there's there's stuff like that. Um, there, there's even younger books, you know, there's a book that's called Chicken Clicking, uh, which it just talks a little bit more generically about the internet and that's a bit of a bedtime story type book so kind of aimed at that even younger this sort of says isn't the internet great but you know make sure you're careful about you know what what you say online to people or whatever so that's probably a little bit more kind of general online safety but again what it does is it introduces the conversation about the internet's great but we are going to have some rules and we're going to have some and um, some some restrictions because actually they're like a city. There are some dangerous things and some things that you just need to learn, just like you learn how to cross the road safely or you learn not to talk to strangers on the street. This is a similar thing. And so that's our job as a parent to help keep you safe when you're younger. As they get older, the conversation uh, then becomes perhaps more important important rather than the controls as i said before but but i think when they're younger there's stuff we can do and one final resource to mention that i think it's a good kind of um one-stop shop if you like is a website called internetmatters.org that's a website that's been set up for for parents by the internet service providers uh, and that has all sorts of things like advice on what apps um, are you know out there and what the pros and cons of those apps tutorials on how to set up parental controls on different devices you know how do, how do you kind of put restrictions on YouTube so you don't get unhelpful recommendations when you're just watching something uh, as, as a child things like that so that would be another one I would I would mention as well. That's fantastic. Thank you. I love how practical those are. We got chicken clicking from the library, actually, and I had no idea it was an internet safety okay. thing. I just thought it was a nice bedtime story. And then it, it turned a bit dark. <laughs> it was a bit of a shock. But um, yeah, no, it was a good one. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't go dark. There's like a, there's like a fox or <laughs> something, isn't there, who exactly. pretends very, to be a very surprising. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There is just one more thing I wanted to ask you about, um, which is, you know, hearing those numbers, this is not something that is just a conversation to have with our children in, you know, I was going to say in case they see porn, but when they see porn, realistically, you know, mm. this is something that's going to be affecting a huge number of our listeners, either then themselves, it's going to be something they're viewing regularly or struggling with or their partners or friends or family members. And as you mentioned, there could be a lot of shame and kind of confusion and stuff around that. I was talking to a youth leader recently who was saying he'd put on an event uh, for parents to talk to their kids about porn and none of them wanted to come. And he thought they were just a bit awkward. And when he dug a bit more, they said, well, we're all watching it. We're all using it. Mm. So, you know, we feel a bit hypocritical talking to our kids about it, which was, you know, great that that started a dialogue with them. But I just wondered what... Um, you know, how you can signpost and support people who are in that situation right now. They're listening to all this and thinking, yes, you know, I want to talk to my kids about it. I want to keep them safe. I want better for them. But actually, I'm right in the midst of struggling with this or someone I know is. Um, can you yeah. Yeah, help us for those people too? 
Sure, absolutely. So as uh, as a charity, as an organisation, uh, Naked Truth um, was set up to open eyes and free lives from the damaging impact of porn. So h- half of our work is, as I mentioned, that sort of educational work, working in schools, working with churches, uh, trying to help people understand the harmful impact. But the other, other side of it is is support, recovery, um, counsellors, support groups uh, for those who either are struggling themselves, so that porn has become a, an, an addiction or a, a dependency a problematic for them, uh, or um, maybe for a, a spouse or a partner and, and actually not just wanting help for their partner who, who's a user, but actually wanting help for themselves as well because there's, there's betrayal and there's hurt and there's all sorts of stuff that go along with that. And so we run programs that are online so anyone can access anywhere um and um yeah we we run groups for users we run uh, counseling sessions uh for users and for partners we have some stuff that is um just kind of like a video on demand type things and then stuff that's live groups as well uh through zoom um and as i say we've been doing that for around 10 years or so and we've got an amazing team of people People who really do have uh, the expertise and the practical support, but a lot of them have their own story too. You know, many of our team have battled with porn addiction or have had a, a husband or a wife that has battled with it and had to kind of work that out and journey that. Uh, and so they come with their training and their expertise, but they also come with a lot of empathy, uh, a lot of there's no shame, there's no judgment. Um, and it's been amazing just to see over the years, hundreds and hundreds of people who perhaps this is one of those things where people have do give up hope. They kind of feel like I've prayed about this loads and haven't seen any change. I've even talked to some people and it feels like that's not really brought up a lot of change. Um, and maybe it felt like, yeah, this is obviously just one of those things that I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ever be any different. And then as they've been intentional, as they've done some scary things like ask for help and join some groups and, and things like that, actually they have found change. And so we've, absolutely have so many people who are saying like after decades of feeling like this was controlling me uh i'm now free from it and and so that uh, it is possible it's possible for porn to not be in your future without a doubt whether that's as a user or as a partner uh and so i would just encourage people to go to our website nakedtruthproject.com and they'd be able to find out more about that i think Thank you so much. Thank you for your time and your wisdom uh, today, Ian. But also just thank you so much for what you and your team do. You really are changing lives and helping families and, and we're so grateful. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for asking me. We like to end our podcast with a question that you can ask your kid or teenager to start an interesting conversation. So today, why don't you ask them, If the internet was around when Jesus was on earth, what do you think he would have used it for? Have a great conversation. We'll be back next week where I'm going to be talking to my friend and colleague, Lucy Rycroft, about uh, new siblings, what to do when there is a new addition to your family. See you then. Bye. Bye.